0: Hello, everyone. We are back for episode four of Rob Mama's 929 Project. Uh, I want to start by saying thank you to a couple of listener comments um, that I've received. Some very interesting things that you all are thinking about. Uh, one of our listeners um, commented that they were surprised that I dare to speak about Lilith and that is not uh, a figure that they were used to hearing discussed and would love to hear more about her. Um, So I do promise to weave in more of that uh, mythology or more of those stories as we come along. And there are actually a couple of names that are gonna come up in this section of chapters Today we are going to, or I'm going to unpack chapters 6 through 20, uh, and there's some very interesting stories here, so let's dive right in. Um, we open chapter 16 with actually one of my favorites, um, I don't want to call it a, I'll call it a story, uh, one of my favorite stories, because I think that this starts with a character that does not get as much play as I think that she should. So we start off with um, Sarai not being able to have any kids and we ended our last section. We know that that is a great source of stress for Abram. He does not thinks that he's going to have an heir. He's worried that uh, one of his brothers or his nephews um, will be able to claim his inheritance should something happen to him. And this is a great source of stress. He doesn't know how to deal with it. And I would imagine that his wife is probably feeling this pressure, too. He, Know that if we're thinking about the time in which this was written, the time that this is describing in these biblical times, uh, giving birth to a child, particularly a male child, uh, to be an heir, is also, it serves as protection for the woman. This is going to come up uh, in a few chapters again. So just remember this theme that this is a, s- a source of stress. So if her husband is worried that, His inheritance is being stressed. I would imagine there is a fair amount of pressure um, and some like fights in their tent about like why can't you get pregnant? Why can't you have like what's wrong with you? I would imagine um, that uh, that is not there's not shalom bite uh, when they're you know having these fertility problems. And so Sarai is now trying to solve this problem. And you know, in a very handmaid's tale type of reaction, uh she gives her husband abram, her handmaid Hagar. Um, and so we this is the first time that this theme is going to come up, um we know you know, depending on your knowledge here, we know that this is, uh, this is going to come up a couple more times and it doesn't ever turn out very well, as you can imagine. Um, so this is the first time this storyline comes up. Um, you know, it's going to be a disaster. Um, but we know that Hagar, uh, it is a handmade kind of a situation. If you know anything about that story, um, She's going to serve as a stand-in. So there is no pretense the baby that she has will be her own. It will be Avram's. It is a way for him to have a child. Um, It will be a substitute, you know, I don't know that it's a substitute as it is uh, in Handmaid's Tale where, you know, she's a surrogate. Um, But it is definitely going to be uh, the heir uh, that Avram needs. So we go along, we also have this story to just tuck in the back of your minds that this is one of those things that the matriarchs, uh, one of the things that they seem to have in common is that they're barren. Um, And so I actually wonder, I've wondered, this is a wondering, I don't have an interpretation or a thought too much, but I just wonder if that harkens back to... Uh, one of the punishments of Hava. So I wonder if it is also just that these um, that sort of it's a test uh, because we see that not only do the matriarchs, uh, they start off being barren, but they go, they end up having their own covenants with God. And so one of the things that I think about is whether or not it's like the opposite of what happens, because we saw that, you know, we believe the mythology of Lilith, that really didn't go very well, uh, having that full autonomy um, with Hava Eve, that didn't really go that well. And she was punished with painful childbirth and being subservient and all of those things. So I wonder if when their hu- their husbands were chosen to be the fathers of nations and these, uh, the patriarchs, uh, whether or not the deal with the women is that God wanted to have his own contract with them to make sure that they were going to fulfill the role that they needed um, to fulfill. So it's just a wondering, um, that I have, I'm curious what you may think of that as well. Um, so Avram Follows directions. Um, he honors his wife and lays with Hagar. She gets pregnant. Um, and this is the first part where it takes it starts to to take a wrong turn. Um, because now there's a status because not only is Hagar, uh, pregnant. I guess they must know that it's a boy. I don't know how. Um, they had this ability to. Think about these things, um, but Hagar is now looking down on Sarai at this point because now she's pregnant and her mistress is not, um, and that is not great. I would imagine that Sarai and Avram are arguing about this, and uh, there's regret. Sarai is just like, I wish that I did not do this. This is not this, this is not the way I thought this was going to feel. Um, and Avram is just like, listen, this is what you told me to do. You deal with it. You deal with it as I see that I don't want to be part of this this decision. Um, and then Sarai treats Hagar like garbage. Like she treats her so badly that Hagar runs away. Um, and mind you, she's pregnant at this time, right? So she's like treating, I, who knows what, what that. Um, what that's looking like, but um, she treats her very badly and she runs away. Um, And um, stick in the back of your minds that the way Sarai is treating Hagar is a theme that will come back uh, in a little while uh, when we get to a different book. Uh, Because it's sort of a mirror or foreshadowing of, like, remember, because Hagar is an Egyptian slave, um, it is, we're going to see that flipped. And we're going to see this theme come up again in the way Egypt then treats the Israelites when they are enslaved. Um, So it's very interesting. So now we see that um, Sarai has run away. She's in the wilderness. And, um, all right, and we're back. Sorry for that interruption. So we know that Hagar is now in the wilderness and, and an angel comes to her. Um, and says, uh, you know, just take the treatment that Sarai is giving you. I know that it's terrible. Um, but then Hagar gets uh, her own prophecy that the her seed is going to be multiplied and she'll have so many generations, she won't be able to count them uh, because of their great number. Um, and she's also informed that she is going to give birth to a son and that that son will be named Ishmael. Um, and the reason g- being given is that because God has listened to your suffering, um, in the Hebrew, when the, the Shoresh or the root of, uh, Ishmael's name has, uh, Shema in it, uh, which is to hear or to listen. And so that is in his name, like God listened or heard the suffering of, of Hagar. Um, it gives some characteristics that he might not be very well liked. He, you know, may be argumentative a little bit, but he will dwell among all of his brothers. So, um, that may be a nod to those tribes that he still will be there, uh, which we see later on, um, Ishmael's tribe is around, uh, when the rest of the 12 tribes are around, uh, whether other people's parents like that or not. Um, and so I wanted to pause for a second here and think about the fact uh, or name the fact that I don't think that it is insignificant that God speaks to Hagar. And this is why I think that she does not get as much, um, play uh, or as much honor or tribute as she deserves because not only does God speak to Hagar, God speaks to Hagar first. Um, so and first uh, before Sarai, I should say. Even though Sarai has had her difficulties, she's clearly, you know, having a really hard time and thinking way outside of the box on how to give Avram a child. God has not spoken to her. Um, and so I don't think that that's insignificant. And so in we come to chapter 17, where um, God appears to Avram, uh, name, say, names themselves. El Shaddai. And so often in some translations of some uh, Bibles, it is translated as God Almighty, um, but that doesn't really uh, make sense in the translation of it. And so in this particular one, it specifically points out that um, the meaning is God, the one of the mountain. And so Since we see all of these foreshadowing moments throughout um, the chapters so far, through the past 17 chapters, we're seeing these foreshadowing uh, foreshadowing moments, it does make sense that the one of the mountain is the translation that makes the most sense um, of that particular name. So we go through, we have the covenant is repeated, uh, that Avram will be the father of nations, and we see that the mark of this covenant is going to be circumcision. Remember that the previous covenant uh, that God had with Noah was the rainbow, and that was the promise, I'm not going to destroy the world with rain again. Um, and so that was that mark. Um, but now we learn that, you know, from here on out, when a baby is... When a boy is born at eight days old, whether they are homeborn, I guess, whether they're by blood or whether it's a slave or um, any of those, they should be circumcised. Um, And if you are interested, actually, in hearing more perspectives on circumcision, (laughs) I have a lot to say about circumcision, Um, but there's a series of Judaism Unbound episodes podcast Uh, that's pretty great where they unpack uh, the history of circumcision and a whole bunch of things and very interesting food for thought. Um, But um, here we have a new mark of a covenant, which is going to be um, the circumcision. And we know that Avram and Sarai's names are about to change to Abraham Abraham and Sarah, Sarah, uh, they get. Um, so we have, you know, the name of God is written as the Tetragrammaton or YHWH. It is not a word that we say. Uh, but here we have them by them accepting this covenant. They're taking that Hey, that uh, piece of Hashem into their names, and that is the mark that they have accepted it. Um, I think that it's very interesting that the way you write a hay sort of looks like a rainbow. Um, So I wonder if uh, that was just sort of like a cutesy nod uh, to that rainbow to connect those two marks of the covenants. Avraham now is told that Sarah will have a baby. That baby's name will be Isaac. Um, and that the covenant will be given to Isaac also. So we see that the covenant between God and Avraham is going to be generational, Um, and we see it that uh, God reaffirms that covenant with each successive uh, generation in this line um, of this particular family. Uh, So then after that, Avraham circumcises himself, he circumcises, when well, he's 99 at the time, he circumcises himself, he circumcises Ishmael, who is 13 at this time, uh, all of the, it says all of his, they know, um, so that's interesting because that means his sons, um, so I have questions, uh, so either, <laughs> some sons, um, are being circumcised, as well as all of the servants are all circumcised as well. Um, so that ends chapter 17. So now all of the males that have been born previously in these tribes have been circumcised, and now enters chapter 18. Um, again, God appears, um, uh so now you know abraham has this quest where he's got to like spread the word of god sort of right so now he is set up in the middle of the desert he's got a tent um he is baking in the sun he's trying to you know stay shaded and not i guess have heat stroke um he looks off of off into the distance and at the these oak trees, he sees three men approaching um, at the oaks of Mamre, and um, so these three men appear, but Avraham knows that they're God, um, or likely um, Malachim, right? Um, So the ministering angels or archangels Uh, who are God's representatives on Earth when we see them. We don't know who they are, uh, but based on some things that they're about to do, we can sort of maybe guess. Um, They're not named anywhere. There's no, like, finite answer. Um, So, like, don't quote me on it, but my guess would be that it would be Raphael, Michael, and Gabriel, just based on things that I've studied about angels a little bit and characteristics of things that they each are doing uh, during this meeting time. Uh, So look it up, have fun. Uh, It will take you down a rabbit hole and there's not an answer to the questions. (laughs) It'll just be fun learning for you. Um, So these three men appear and um, Avraham treated them very well, bowed to them, prostrated themselves uh, or prostrated himself to them, offered them water, washed their feet, uh, gave them some bread. Um, so we learned that this is hospitality, even though they're strangers, even though he thinks that they are some godly um, entities, uh, he's treating them with this high level of hospitality. Uh, we see here also because he calls into the tent and he's just like, Sarah, um, we've got some guests. Some people finally came, make them some cakes, right? So she's there this whole time. She's in the tent, she's making cakes. Um, and so we learn that this level of hospitality, is not just him alone, that this involves his wife as well. Um, so he feeds them. Um, so I can imagine he sets a nice, um, a nice picnic, Uh, (laughs) and so they have, you know, they've had bread, and they've had uh, water, and they've got these cakes. Uh, He gives curds, milk, and a calf that he has prepared, Um, so we know that this is pre-kosher because that is not something that would be allowed in Leviticus, um, after Leviticus, so we So there's now some conversation. The angels are happy with the way they have been welcomed into Abraham's tent. And uh, they're having, um, you know, a conversation. And one of the angels says that, you know, that I'm gonna come back uh, at a certain time and uh, Sarah will have a son. Um, And so like now, so we know that this is happening, right? Um, Sarah they're have their meeting and they're hanging out with Avraham but Sarah is you know in the tent kitchen and she's listening and um so like she laughs on the inside and it's just like I am old AF I have already passed menopause how am I like this is what she's thinking right like I'm having a kid hilarious right And so then the conversation goes, um, so then one of the angels says to Avraham in this moment, why did your wife laugh? And he's just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And she's just like, no, I didn't. Um, And so we know that one of those characteristics is clearly they can read minds because she does not laugh out loud. It says very clearly here that she laughs um, to herself, right? So she's laughing inside. Uh, and she says, I didn't laugh. Uh, and it's because she's now afraid that somebody has not read her mind. Uh, but I wonder, like, you know, it's sort of a half lie, because she laughed to herself. Um, she did not laugh out loud. Uh, but she it was a moment where she did not have faith. Um, because God is just like, can I not do anything? Like, why does she think that there's something that I could not do? Um, and so I have, there's a different interpretation that I will give. Uh, in a little while <laughs> in a couple of chapters that you, food for thought, um, but she's told that she'll have a baby, and that um, the baby's name will be Isaac because Sarah left again, uh, if you're reading it in the Hebrew, um, you'll see that the the or the root of that um, is that uh, that's, it's, it's laughter. Um, so we have, uh, not that the, the, these names have meanings, not all names have meanings, but, uh, these two particular ones do. And also note that these are the two, two, two kids that God personally names. Abra- Abraham's children are named by God. Um, so that's not insignificant. So both Isaac well, well, first, Ishmael, then Isaac, are both personally named by God. So that's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so we have... Um, then the three angels are having conversations because, you know, they're angels. So, you know, they're aware of things that are going on in the world outside of the the uh, earthly conversations they're having around the table with Abraham, and so they're talking about the fact that, you know, one of their missions clearly its revealed. It seems that um, they're hearing what's going on in Sodom and Gomorrah, and they're just like, they've got to go. Um, And so there's a discussion amongst the three in some kind of a way, whether it's telepathically or what have you. I think that in this we tr- we're reading it linearly as if there is a conversation that is happening. But I w- when I read this, it read it I read it in a way where uh, among them they were trying to decide whether or not they were going to be forthcoming with Abraham. So the way I picture this is that the three um, archangels are sitting at the table, obviously dressed like men. So like if you Uh, watch Supernatural, like, you know what they look like, Um, (laughs) because the archangels are on the earth, anyway, um, with Sam and Dean. So we have them sitting around the table, and they're sitting with Avraham, but I I imagine that they're also having conversations with each other, like, telepathically, and they're having sort of a debate about whether or not they should tell Avraham what their plan is to destroy the city, that he knows that his nephew lives in, looks lives there. And so it seems that the argument is settled that this is now going to be a test of Abraham's leadership. Um, Because we know that, um, yeah, so there's going to be a conversation. So they they decide like if he's going to if he's supposed to like be the father of all of these nations they decide that if he's going to be a leader like this is this is going to be the first way that we test him um which is why it leads me to believe that the angels are who they are um because there are some of them that like to find any excuse to destroy things so um we have Um, like one is just like, No, let's, let's help him heal Raphael. Um, and others who are just like, yep, um, I'm going to go and destroy this city. Uh, that would be Gabriel. So there are lots of different characteristics. You're going to think about it and unpack it like that. Like I said, there is no answer to this question. So it is just going to be, um, just like fun learning as you go down that rabbit hole. It's a fun one. So, um, this is one of the virtues. Um, so he, so then they're now deciding to have the conversation. So they're like, "Look, Abraham, the city is full of evil people, wicked people, um, and it's not because of what we in 2022 or in our modern society have attached to what sodomy is. Um, that is not." That was not the sin. It was that they were thieves. They were murderers. They were rapists. Um And so the city needed to be destroyed. It was just, you know, you can imagine that this was very similar to the version of the earth that was flooded in Noah's time. We can't flood the earth anymore because we have had a promise um, that that can't happen. And so I said specifically um in uh, that episode that with Noah, the promise was that, uh, that the earth was not going to be destroyed by flood. That did not mean that pockets of the earth could not be destroyed, uh, by other means like fire. Uh, so then there get, becomes a debate and Avraham is going to negotiate, um, Will you destroy the city if there are even like 50 righteous people if it's you know negotiates down to 10 righteous people and then god is done um or whichever angel um is done having the conversation and uh abraham goes to sleep um so that ends chapter 18 chapter 19 so one of the angels stays behind. My guess will be that's Raphael. So if you think about it, he's Abraham uh, is probably still healing from the circumcision that he just had yesterday. And Raphael is a healer. Again, asterisk, there's no answer to this, but that would be my guess. So uh the so the other two go down to Sodom and they go to see uh, Lot. And um, so they go down, or they go down to Sodom, I should say, and Lot sees them and says, uh, come on over. He bows to them. He washes their feet. He insists on them staying. They were planning on staying with him, but he insists that they stay with him. And uh, so they do. So once they're inside, they're breaking bread again. They're like, you know, eating this meal. So Lot has his wife, who never, I don't see a name ever, um, but has, you know, their wife, daughter, daughters in law, whatever. They're making a feast for uh, these two angels and they eat unleavened bread. Um, So they're eating, and then the townspeople, uh, like, I imagine this, like, very, like, Game of Thrones scene that's happening. And they're banging at the door saying, who's in there? Let us have our way with them. Um, Bring them outside, which is clearly, this is why this city's got to go. So they're trying to force their way into the house. Lot is freaking out. He's just like, I am not like, welcoming strangers into my home. And now, like, everybody wants to, like, just, like, take them. Um, and so they make their way, like they break down the door, but they're angels. Um, so as soon as the people, uh, cross the threshold, they're struck with dumbfoundedness and, uh, they can't get in. And so at that moment, uh, we know that in his house, it's not a small house. Um, and it's not a tent like Avraham is in. This is a structure. He's in a city. Um, Just by contrast of images here, they're in a city. And uh, we know that it's his sons-in-laws, his daughters, um, and his sons are with him. And um, so the angels give him an opportunity, like everybody who's in your house. So I guess it must be 10 um, who are in his house, um, and said, you guys can go, we're gonna say, like, you guys have to get out of here because we're going to destroy the whole rest of the city. Um, they're not worth, like, they clearly did not demonstrate the same level of virtue um, or hospitality, and so they are being asked or being given the opportunity to leave lest they be destroyed. Um, the sons-in-law did not take uh, Lot seriously, so they ended up not leaving at night like they were told to. Uh, and they ended up being left in the morning, but when they left, um, and clearly all of them didn't make it, but when they left, because um, I guess that demonstrates that they weren't virtuous, they didn't believe it. They laughed at him. They like thought he was a joke. Um, and so in the morning, the angels are like, I'm serious. Y'all got to go or you're going to be destroyed with everybody else. So Lot takes his wife, he takes his daughters, and they flee. And the way this reads, actually, um, the way this reads, if you look at chapter 19, verse 17, says that he still delayed. It says, and the people took hold of his hands, and his wife's hands, and his two daughters' hands. So that leads me to believe that something very interesting happens next. It makes the image that I have is that they were taken in that moment, and they were killed. Because the next part of that says, and because of uh, God's compassion for him, and they brought him out and set him outside of the city. Right, and so what I see what I imagined happened is they died actually, they were taken, they waited too long, and the townspeople, the city people broke into the house, took them, but they were teleported. the four of them were teleported out of uh, the city um and the in nineteen nineteen it says here, let me find it exactly. It says here, uh, your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have magnified and you've magnified your kindness. Um, keep going. It's oh uh, that you've done for me, keeping my soul alive. And so that sort of makes me think that now there's in some sort of metaphysical place now. Um, not necessarily on an earthly plane, maybe, you know, this is just my conjecture. Um, but um, they're having another negotiation where, you know, he's being told to flee to the mountain, um, but he's saying, I can't make it that far. Um, like, thank you for keeping my soul alive. I can't make it all the way to the mountain. Here's this little city called Zoar. Can I just go there? Um, so he's granted favor. He's allowed to go to Zoar, but he's just like, but here's the deal. Do not turn around. Um, And so he's like, you know, wouldn't dream of it. Let's get out of here. And um, Sodom and Gomorrah is now being destroyed. We know the story. Lot's wife does turn around turn to a pillar of salt. So what if it wasn't their earthly bodies and it was just their soul? She is now zap done. She's done. Um, So now they go there. They get to Zoar. The city is destroyed. And now we go, the scene flips back to Avraham, who just wakes up. He wakes up, stretching in the morning. Um, the tarnigal is like crowing, the rooster is crowing, and he looks out into the horizon and he's just like, oh snap, what happened when I was sleeping? And so. God has now destroyed Lot's cities. So I mentioned this um, an episode or two ago, um, like naming those specific cities that Lot's like, you know, he went to the right, Avram went to the left or whatever, but all of Lot's cities end up getting destroyed. So very interesting. Um, So I wonder though if... That was part of the distraction technique that, you know, we know that Avraham knew that Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah and would probably have tried to stop and further that uh, and delayed that um, or continue that negotiation. And that's why the angels put him to sleep so that he could not prevent, try to like stall them and like get word to Lot to like get some people out or whatever. Um, And all of, and the timeline of Lot's needing to leave urgently was tied to the sleep wearing off. At some point, Abraham had to wake up, but the city had to be destroyed before he woke up. So this is just something that I'm thinking about. Like, I'm a visual learner, so I really do try to think of this like a movie. Um, And the, like, I can just imagine, like, Lot, you've got to go, because in their minds, they know Avraham is going to be waking up in two hours, and is going to try to convince us to, like, not do this, and so we got to do it. So they get Lot and his family out, his immediate family out, too. So in that amount of time, Lot and his daughters now are able to make it to whatever mountain they were told to go to. Um, I guess they fall asleep. It's now they wake up and they're like, they see the city burning. Everything that they know has been destroyed. They have this idea that there's nobody left on earth. So they have this really great idea that if no man is ever going to like, we're not going to be able to have any babies. Might as well have them with daddy. Um, And so they both, lay with their father and have children and both of his daughters um one births moab the other one births um Amnon, Amon. um and it's very interesting so like those are just foreshadowing names to come back those are some names that um, we will have more business with later the ammonites and the moabites the ammonites came back came a couple of chapters ago when part of the prophecy was that and in four generations somebody's going to have to go back here because our business is not done with the Ammonites. So all of these are if you're following the stories, they are storylines that come back and we know that there's going to be some issues with Moabites um in the future. So now we have chapter 20. So uh, which is our last chapter for this week. So in chapter twenty, um, again, Avraham and Sarah are on the road. again. They get to um the city or the town of Gerar. And um again, for the second time, Avraham says to his wife, um, like you've got to or says that his wife um, is his sister, so this comes up uh, again. It's like this is their grift, um, or this is the se- you know this is the second time that this comes up, and um, he cites as you know so uh, the same thing happens, right? Uh, Abimelech goes to sleep, the God comes to him like in a dream and is now punishing him and saying. Um, you know, I am going to punish you if you do not let her go. Like, she's actually married to my boy, Avraham. Like, you cannot have her. Um, But, you know, I know you didn't do it on purpose. Mind you, there's no punishment for Avraham. In this moment, even God is saying, I know that you didn't know that this was happening, but you need to let let her go. Um, And so... Again, Avimelech Abime- goes to Abraham and says, like, what have you done to me? Like, now we're being punished. Like, I don't understand. And so the first reason Abraham says is that you guys don't, don't know my God in this land. So I thought that you would just kill me um, because you would want my beautiful life. And then he also says, also, it's not a total lie, She is my sister. She's just my half-sister, which is just lovely. Um, And so once again, um, as um, reparations, Avimelech gives Avram uh, sheep, oxen, servants, maids, um, land. And to Sarah, so that's what he gives Uh, Avraham and, like, I imagine, like, as Sarah is now leaving his little harem, um, she is given silver. So a thousand weights of silver, uh, not an insignificant amount. Uh, So a thousand weights of silver and also the silvers that, like, in the ancient Near East, um, there's a belief system And in many cultures, actually, that you put coins on uh, the eyes. In Egypt, we see this mythology so that people have the money to pay their way across the river Styx, but it's a common... um, It even happens uh, in the United States to keep people's eyes closed back in the times before, you know, because people's eyes pop open when they are not alive anymore. So the eye silvers, um, she was given enough eye silver, so two silver coins for every single person in their party. So, remember, so now we have gone. Uh, Abram Avraham has a lot of people that are moving in this caravan because we have now gone from his home. We've now had this happen uh, in Egypt before. We now have whatever he has accumulated in the time that he has been um, waiting. So he has accumulated a lot. So that's a lot of silver that he has been that he's that they are being given again. That's a lot of money um, that they're being given um, to just say get out of here. And so then a curse is lifted. So in the last time this happened in Egypt, there were plagues. Uh, we don't know what they were, whether it was lice, whether it were, was boils, um, whether it was um, leprosy or you know, whatever. Um, but this time, the, the curse that was put on Abimelech on the t- town of Gerar was that nobody could have children. Um, until this um, all transpired. So it was not a day. Uh, It was long enough for people to be barren and to not be able to have kids. So there was a a bit of time uh, that Sarah was living with Abimelech before uh, this intervention occurred. Um, Afterwards, God then said, you know, you know, now the curse is lifted. All of y'all can have kids again. And again, this is another town that is going to be probably team God, um, because God has now showed uh, their might on this area. So um, I noticed that this is something that sort of, it's they were afflicted with Sarah's affliction. They were cursed with Sarah's affliction um, and not being able to have babies. So that's very really interesting Um, and this is the opposite um, uh, of what we're going to see later because, you know, we're going to have the response later um, in Exodus that the Pharaoh's going to try to kill all the firstborn babies. So this is the exact opposite of that. You just can't have them in the first place. And that concludes chapter 20. Uh, so again, reach out, uh, with any of your thoughts, any questions that you have, uh, Anything that you might want me to address later on, if you like the mythology, I will—I mean—I'm going to continue uh, dropping that in there. And uh, uh, I look forward to learning with you again next week. Um, so next week we will be reading chapters 21 through 26. So see you next week. Have a wonderful week, toe everyone.